stop whatever you're doing right now and listen to my words. I have an important announcement. This Week in Mormons is starting for the week, everybody. You thought I was going to say something even more important, but I'll get to that in a little bit. Grateful that you're all here this week on TWIM. Uh, we're going to break down lots of Latter-day Saint news for you. Uh, we hope you'll join us on our Facebook page, which is just This Week in Mormons. Find us at The Real Twim on Twitter and uh, follow us on Instagram at This Week in Mormons. If you're not a patron of Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash This Week in Mormons. You can go there and pledge a buck a month. That's all I'm saying. One dollar a month. One dollar a month. If I don't see at least 10 new pledges by the end of this week, I am literally going to go crazy. But enough of that because Josie Gleave is here stifling laughter at my antics. I am a little bit. I am curious. Do you think through your intros before you do it? Do you script this? Nope. It is impromptu. Yeah. I have I have a little bit more respect for you now. Do you actually think it would be this poor of quality if I scripted it? Come on. Well, if I, I took mean, the time to write this out, I would be wowing people with my my wit and cunning. Well, I'm wowed because I feel like sometimes, you know, you could put a mic in front of most people and they could just clam up, right? And not know anything oh, to I, say. I, you know, this is your moment to shine. When you've been doing this it for looks 10 good years, on you, Jeff. Ten years. Almost, Josie. We're coming up on 10 years. We're going to change the logo, so instead of being orange, it's going to be gold. Oh. Ten, ten years. What are you doing for the anniversary? Something very gaudy, but I'm not quite sure what it will be. Is Al going to ignore us? Al might ignore us. I don't know. <laughs> Who's to say? Seems Who's likely. To... We'll just have every single host on at once. Oh, fantastic. Everyone It'll be will like get a one... little montage. Everyone Ooh. will get one story. And... Uh, or maybe we'll engage in some form of, I don't know, self-aggrandizement. I'll put a feeler out there and say, everyone, record yourselves and tell me how wonderful you think Twim is and how wonderful I am. I love words of affirmation. It is Testimonials. My love, it is my love language, folks. So if you want me to feel the love, then by all means, send me an email or leave us a review on iTunes very specifically about this love language stuff, not about the quality of the program or anything like that. That would be excellent. I don't. This is a weird tangent we're on. I don't feel good about this show right now. Okay. How are you doing, Jeff? I'm fine. Thank you for How's asking. How's your week been? Uh, stuff's been super. The Nats are going to the World Series and we are all over the moon in Washington. How did this happen? Oh my goodness. When we knocked out the Dodgers, that alone made me so happy. And then we just swept the Cardinals wonderful baseball. My four-year-old is into it and he's asking me questions about baseball and wants to watch games with me, which makes me so happy. And so that's been the great, the big, big news out here in the DC area. Uh, oh, I was going to say, I'm a little less comfortable, uncomfortable with this uh, tangent here. I know nothing about the going-ons of baseball in the well, US. Well, anyway, the Nationals are going to the World Series for the first time and it's great. Uh, and then we had our ward trunk or treat on Saturday and I labored extensively to build a an ambulance uh, for my kid. He wanted to be an wow. ambulance for Halloween. So we wait, he was the ambulance, not your car disguised as an ambulance no. for the truck. Oh. No, he, he is an ambulance. So we took some box, some large boxes. We built out an ambulance. It's the kind of thing that's open on the top and we just put straps on him and he can kind of walk around with this ambulance, like swinging around his hips. But I put, <laughs> we put the pieces together, hot glue guns, lots of paint, you know, stri stripes, all that the appropriate dedication. symbols. That is dedication. Decoupage everywhere. We even wired it up with some battery-powered LED lights for the siren. I was going to say, does he have a little siren on top of his head? 
like a not on his cherry. head. The siren's on Aww. top of the cab of the Come thing. On. And then we dressed him as a paramedic. Oh, uh, okay. So he dressed as a paramedic. That makes sense. His ambulance. <laughs> his younger brother was a doctor, so we put him in his scrubs and his lab coat and his surgeon's hat, and he walked around and they trunked and treated hard. It was very, awesome. Very professional-minded Halloween costumes this we year. You driving not. towards them, their future. Doctor, we usually doctor. like to do. Last year, (laughs) last year, the older one was a fireman, and his younger brother was a Dalmatian because that's the (laughs) fireman's dog. Yes. And then my wife dressed up as a fire hydrant, and I wore an outfit where I was. What was I? I was the fire station. Fire? Um, No, I was the fire station. Right? I think I was the fire station. Should have been the flame, like a fireball or something. Then we dressed up our van with flames and things, and so that was like the burning building. So we had a whole okay. thing going on. It was it was great. That is intense. This year we did not go as all out on decorating our van. Instead, we put Openshaw Memorial Hospital on the van on the sides, and said the van was a hospital. But I went for something more where you had to think and printed up. I, I cropped out some floating head images of famous TV doctors, and just taped them around the van. And then blasted music from like the theme song of ER or Doogie Howser or Scrubs, classic programs of that nature. And all the and kids were confused. No one knew what was happening. I put <laughs> I put Doc McStuffins on there too, just for good measure, hoping they'd figure yeah. that much out. But it was no, yeah, it was okay. I don't mind. I thought I was amused. I mean, why not walk up and have a a head floating head of George Clooney just sitting right above me while I'm passing out candy. He was on sounds ER. Sounds perfect. ER, ER was a TV show. Yes, thank you. I've I've got that one. Anyway, so just because there we I go. don't know the baseball doesn't mean I didn't know anything about ER. What for is the record, going on? Australia got kicked out of the rugby. So there, there's my sporting reference. Thank you. Did they get kicked that out? That is my Scotland. one and only. Who kicked uh, them out? Uh, England. Yeah. Mm. The Queen, the Commonwealth. Yeah. That's got that's got to be some bad blood right there. I mean, you can't have the the colonizer. Yeah, it was not great. Colony. Yeah, it was not great. Um, no, but things are well. I came back from vacation. I went to the States. I went to a cousin's wedding, and I was actually in Utah, which I usually don't find myself um, visiting too often. But so that was that was entertaining. Um, so my husband has quite a few different friends who live all over around. Utah and even Southern Utah. And so we visited a lot of people and um, I, it was entertaining talking to them about like their church experience and some people, cause they, most of them have lived in other places and either returned to Utah or are living there for the first time. And whether they've had any sort of preconceptions about what Utah would be like in such a heavy Mormon community. So Mm -hmm. there was, there was lots of, Oh no, it's fantastic. I love it. It's better than I thought it was. And lots of, Oh no, it's everything you think it might be. And that's what happens (laughs) every time I go to Utah as well. Sorry. That happens to me every time I go to Utah. Oh, kind of, kind of hot and cold. It's fun to be there. It's fun to be out West. It's fun to see a lot of the friends who live there. And then you're like, man, we could, we could do this, right? We could be out here, and then, and then you see all the other stuff, and you start questioning whether it's what you would. It sounds like it's very location specific. So, oh, you um, can only live in Salt Lake City. Well, I mean, and maybe the downtown is fine. 
But Downtown's I guess fine. people Of course, there's also don't... Daybreak. Always go to Daybreak. It's I wonderful. don't even know where Daybreak it's is. It's paradise on earth. See, it I don't I don't know much about Utah. So oh my I goodness. literally felt like I was a tourist there for the first time, even though I have been many times in my life. But it still felt like Ima- the first time again, almost. Imagine, if you will, that you Please. are a, a large multinational mining company named Kennecott. And you have done a great job exhausting the giant pit mine in the western part of the valley. You own a lot of land in the area. And you say, what's my next phase? What's my chapter two? I know what it is. Let's develop a master planned community in South Jordan. Let's even get the church to build a temple there. We will build all of these things. Excellent. And we will call it, we'll even put an extension of the University of Utah Hospital and the terminus of a tracks line. All that you need right there, friends. Oh, now I know what you're talking about. I've seen that. Everything in daybreak in one place. It is the land that... Stepford America intended us to inherit, and someday I will live there, and I will have a ward that is one block long, and it will be amazing. Amen. Oh, okay. All right. I do not believe that testimony, but I'm glad that you feel that way. (laughs) I actually put a, uh, was it last week or something? I put a random Facebook status where I said, Sometimes I think it'd be fun to live in Utah. So if any of you like, you know, have leads or like a good job for me in Utah, that'd be great. I have a lot of experience serving ineffective government agencies. So no, Jeff, know, don't whatever, do this. Whatever you need, I did it mostly for fun and because I wanted to be around mountains, and I just felt like vocalizing it. Uh, it had, got a lot of play, even so much that I we had family members saying, "Wait, are you guys serious? Are That's you guys fantastic. Want to come out here?" And I said, "No, no." no. I mean, no, I don't would. do it, Jeff. I don't would. I would. If there were no. a job in Utah, sure, I'll go to Utah. I don't care. Why not? Jeff, Why not? But I don't plan. Here's on. my testimony. We need more Mormons outside of Utah. I can Don't go. <laughs> I do Anyways, agree with that. Controversial opinion, but well, it's there fair. it is. It's fair. It's fair. I, I agree. I think we should build Zion and many other places. Utah's doing fine. They have 49 temples or whatever they're at now. And there are other mountains to go to. Nepal, for example. I should go to Nepal. Switzerland. There are a- loads of options. Southern Switzerland France. is very expensive. Come on, Jeff. <laughs> Switzerland is very expensive, but you would have the salary to match it, I imagine. I don't know. I can't make any promises. If if I'm going for mountains uh, in Europe, I'd probably opt for the Pyrenees so I can be in my beloved Catalonia, living the dream. Oh, I guess they do stretch over to Catalonia. I was thinking France, but... Well, they okay. form... They, the, the, the spine forms the border between Spain and France. A little bit, yeah. It's all, right. all there. It's all there. Well, this has been well, very exciting. What a riveting yes, program, everybody. Yes, it has everybody. been. I'm glad you're doing well, Jeff. Should we move on? You know what I want to lead off with since we're talking about Utah? Let's talk about Provo's Most Eligible. Yeah. Now, um, we've been vaguely aware of the existence of this uh, program, Provo's Most Eligible, but I mostly want to give a shout out to the fine writers at The Beehive. And if you're not familiar with The Beehive, it is a website that's not quite... I'd almost describe how... the, The tone of writing is similar to, I don't know, the AV Club, which is owned by The Onion. So it's not straight satire, okay? It's not like satire like The Onion, but if, you ever, if you've ever read The AV Club, a pop culture website owned by The Onion, it's in that vein, but it's written by Utah people for a Utah audience, and I die when I read 
their articles here. Meg Walter, you have a gift and you deserve all the love. So she's been covering um, Provo's most eligible. Uh, and this is just one example, season two, episode three. There's been another season of this before. Josie, you and I were talking. We believe the actual who Provo's most eligible refers to everyone involved, it seems. I admit I have not taken the time to even understand the exact format here because it's not just a clean. There's a bachelorette and she passes out some sort of vaguely not quite trademarked rose or flora of some kind. It's like a people. daisy, which is, yeah, not very romantic at all. But there's um, like three of them. There's three women and a bunch of men and they have teams Okay, there somehow, is. This is right? where I was getting confused very because confused. most of the pictures were just of one girl, some girl named Ellie. Anyways, so I thought initially that it was just a big group date and then I was confused thinking maybe it was more like the bachelorette and what do they call this girl? You know, is she Provo's most eligible? I don't know. Many questions. Where is this even airing? Is it just well, on it's YouTube? On, it is on the wonder of YouTube, yes. Okay. All right. Sorry. Now I'm laughing. <laughs> um, that sounds fantastic. Who created this thing? <laughs> Sorry. I, I drifted to another <laughs> article on the Beehive called Lagoon, Disneyland, but damper. We'll get to that oh, one in a second. Gosh. Actually, the first paragraph of it, Meg and I recently asked our boss, Clint, if he would pay for us to go to Lagoon so I could write about it. He said yes because Meg is a woman and I'm gay. And I told him if he ever says no to us, we'll sue him for discrimination. <laughs> now we get to go to places <laughs> like Lagoon and ride around. <laughs> so anyway, that's the kind that's of place. fantastic. I need a job like that. I'm a woman. Someone hire me. So I just oh, don't, so word. I don't understand the full format they have. Let, to explain what Meg goes through in watching this. Is mostly um, squealing, is like says, watching things and then screaming at her TV because it's so bad. She says, so intense and violent was my reaction to this episode that my husband kept running in from the other room to make sure I was not being stabbed to death by an intruder. I was not. I was just feeling every negative emotion a human is capable of feeling because episode three of Provo's Most Eligible Season 2 is excruciating and should be cruel, ruled cruel and unusual punishment by the courts. It oh. is. It's pretty bad. And so, that's so, just from reading her review. They go on activities. They spend forever, way, way too long showing all these guys at the gym. I don't know if this is supposed to be some form of, you know, soft porn for the ladies or what it is, watching guys oh, get all gosh. lunky in the gym. I have no idea. But Pass. the men look hardcore. Hardcore. So I don't get the format of the show. There's one girl I saw, Lauren, who really has to trust in the boys because she says, I feel close to you so I can tell you that I'm divorced. And while that's a sensitive thing for people, they treat it as if she's saying, like, I had a baby that I gave up or something along those lines. But instead, she just says, I was divorced. But it's still serious. The one thing that, that, that could factor in, this would go back to general conference, is she saying she was married in the temple? No, no, sorry. She, her husband didn't die. Never mind. I take it back. She's divorced. She can still break the ceiling if she has to. She'll be fine. <laughs> I think this is trying to create drama where there clearly isn't much going on in these There's, people's lives. They sp- seem to spend a lot of time at some sort of country club. Um, there's a the lot country of, club. The golfing of, bit was possibly my favorite because there's one guy who's obviously taken one of the girls out for a date to teach her how to golf. And then next minute, there's this picture of him 
hugging her from behind, which is a classic move. No, no, classic move. Here, let me teach you how to swing this golf club. Like, the innuendo was fantastic, so I appreciated that. Classic move. You have to do that. That's how you get. That's how you get your action. That's what you have to do. And then some guy later on puts on a MAGA hat, which is just baffling. That's an. Anyway, I don't know. We're not here to recap Provo's Most Eligible, but what I'm saying is if you're not aware of, one, the show, and you want to hate watch something, probably worth your time because we all need to hate watch a little bit in our lives. It's not worth your time. Read a I book, mean, people. And, then, <laughs> and then, <laughs> We don't do that anymore, Josie. You're the only one left. Read Apparently, it's very devastating. Oh. No, book sales are up. It's a thing. Get out. That's all I got. I have it yeah. on good authority that borders closed, so I can't. That can't possibly be the case. Well, of course they did. No, they reopened in Australia as Booktopia. Did they really? Yeah. <laughs> yes. But it's actually borders rebranded, or it's no, no, no. It's it's actually called Booktopia, but I believe oh, maybe I should check, fact check this, but I'm pretty sure I looked into it when they first opened. It's by the same people who did run Borders, or maybe one of the people who worked with Borders. There was some connection there. Maybe they were trying to make it sound like, you know, I've worked at Borders before. I have experience. Anyways, this has gone on far too long. I'm enjoying this. Please continue. (laughs) Now tell me everything about Barnes & Noble next. Go. (laughs) Walden Books. No. This is, yeah, a little too far into my niche. Before we leave this story, though, do you see the last no. GIF? Do you have the article open right now? Uh, no, but I remember it. The one of hit. It says, um, make Scott learn like, how to kiss make again. Make Scott learn how to kiss. It's a bad kiss. So bad. Some poor little white boy trying and failing. The end I mean, of it, he's like. Even before I saw the caption, I was like, there's something wrong with this. What is he doing? Gasping for air, trying to eat her face. It's so bad. I think what's happening here. No, this is my guess. My guess is normal people would perhaps French kiss, as it were. And, they and got, he's like, and they got skittish. Boy. They got skittish being on camera. So it's this weird. It's this weird something. It's bad. It's so bad. I now have something to hate watch. And the next thing I'm going to go do is read the amazing article about going to Lagoon because. Oh. Who doesn't love Lagoon? I don't know, but I'm I'm gonna move us on to international news. Good job, I Utah. Feel like there's something besides Utah going on here, um, and so which is gonna come back. Talk about. Let's talk about. Yes, of course, everything else is taking place in Utah. Everything. But for a quick moment, we're gonna come to Singapore, and I'm gonna tell you that. Um, ooh, when was this? I think this was at the end of September. I wasn't here. That's why I'm sorry. I'm not doing a very good job at covering my own country right now. Um, they are, or we hosted a big 50 year anniversary with a musical program. And we had, um, well, so all year the stake has been celebrating the church's 50 year anniversary being here in Singapore. And this was just one of the events. And it was this lovely performance with lots of other people from different religions, big concert, all about faith, you know, interfaith relations in Singapore. It was a happy time. So that was that. Also, President Nelson is coming to Singapore. I know that oh, we've no, already no. announced this, and I have some horrible but, but, but news you're, for you. But you're, but you're there. I mean, that's. I have some horrible news. I'm not going to be here, so what I have to. What the heck is wrong with you? Yeah, I. You know, were supposed it's... to get the great soundbite for us. Yeah, so I'm going to try and get a friend to live tweet me what's going on because I won't be there. Um, yeah, I have to go back to Australia and have surgery on my knee because I. Yeah, I played rugby and messed it up. Um, so that was unfortunate. And um, 
Anyways, that's just my personal news for the week. Random Aren't little we? side though. <laughs> Why does one have to go to Australia for such a procedure when I'm, sh- I'm certain Singapore has good hospitals? I yes, mean, they they do. Um, no, I would just say that the range of advice I have gotten between Singaporean doctors and Australian doctors has been quite extreme. Um, and that's not to say that it wouldn't be good here. It's more I'm tagging it on with trying to also see um, a new niece who will be entering the family right about then. So... All That's, right, fair enough. Yeah, I'm comfortable with this surgeon, and I want to see this new baby, so I just we just decided we'll go for it. That, Anyways, yeah, just that, that or casual short. racism, whatever you want to call it, but sure. Yeah, uh, nope, that's not it. Okay, okay moving oh. on. So there was also, speaking of concerts, <laughs> segueing back to the segue, um, Italy celebrated a Catholic organist named Alfredo... Filippella. Filippella, right, it is, okay. Um, Who, for 12 years, volunteered to play the organ for one of the church branches in Italy when they didn't have a pianist, Um, which I thought was... This is a kind of a cool story. So he had, like, read this story from 1879, how, like, in St. George, there was a Catholic priest who was trying to organize mass with a choir, didn't have a church... Didn't really have a choir, but yet he's still trying to make this happen. Yeah. And um, his friend was the director of the Tabernacle in St. George. They organized for Mass to be there, had this lovely service. And 128 years later, Alfredo is reading this and decides, hey, I should repay this favor and goes and finds a branch who needs an organist and travels quite a distance to go and play for them. Um, for like, yeah, 12 years. And so they had this lovely concert for him to celebrate him. And President Nelson heard about it, wrote him a nice letter. It was a, it was a great time. Um, that's awesome. And then our last, yeah, well, that, it's kind of cool. Story. And this, this is a great example of like the great things we can, this is carried by, you know, the, like, I think the church's website in Italy, right? Yeah. I mean, this is, a, yeah. And I've appreciated that the, the newsroom has started doing an international news roundup itself. They've clearly done it because they've seen what you've been doing, Josie. I think that's why. I think so. But, but um, it's the international cool. roundup still isn't great. I'll give them that. <laughs> uh, no, They're it's not good. So it's fun to dig around because you realize there's a lot more. There's a lot of history in the church around the world. It's so easy to think about it being, you know, a Utah nucleus sort of thing, yeah. and we're all feeding into that. But like this, this is a, what a great story. Yeah. Um, and last quick one. A mention for anyone who is in London, um, the Roots Tech Conference is on, uh, not quite currently, but in about three days. Yeah, from the 24th. So if you want to learn about family history or like technology that could help you do so, that's a thing. And that's my international news. So a little quiet this week, but pretty good. We need like some really good classic like 90s news like segue, dun, 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 and we move on to the next bit after Not a international problem. news. Consider it done. Thank you. All right. Uh, real quick, I want to take a brief pause uh, just to uh, let you all know about something going on this Wednesday while I still have your attention. Uh, I will be appearing in a Reddit Ask Me Anything or Reddit AMA from 9.30 to 11.30 Mountain Time. That's you know Utah time. This coming Wednesday, October 23rd. So if you are a Redditor, Go to reddit.com slash r slash Latter-day Saints, which is the, the biggest Latter-day Saint group on Reddit. And if you want to hang out on there, you can ask me anything at all, anything in the world. They do have moderators, so if you make it profane or dirty, it will not make it through, people. Al, 
you're the one I'm talking to right now. But anyway, um, just wanted to let you all know what's going on. So please check that out. It'd be great if you could support the AMA if you're into Redditing. And if not, make an account just for this. And you can hear about, we're, we're talking about basically 10 years of covering Latter-day Saint news, uh, the good, the not as good. Uh, but how in my case, I feel like having done so has actually strengthened my faith overall and I think made me a better person, I hope. Um, and so that's sort of the lens we're looking through, but it's going to be a big discussion about all sorts of things. Two hours of Jeff, come on. You don't have to hear my voice. So just want to throw that out there. Is that More, your selling point? <laughs> you don't have to hear my voice. I I'm love not that. very good at sales, okay? <laughs> no, I thought it was a great pitch. I think it'd be interesting. Like, uh, Hopefully, you'll get some good questions about like the changes that you've seen trying to do some of the new stuff. Yeah. I'd um, say the weirdest part, just real quick, has been that when we started this, we were kind of the only podcast in that space. And now mm. LDS podcasting in general has grown a ton in the 10 years that we've been doing TWIM. Uh, but there's also specific shows that are follow a similar format to what we're doing, you know, covering Latter-day Saint news. But we are the original. That's Evens. all. Anyway, so jo- join me on Wednesday, folks. Wednesday morning. It'd be great to have you there. Um, can we move on to some Mitt Romney stuff real quick? You never have to ask permission to do anything involving oh, Lord okay. Romney. Oh, of course. Oh. Please. All righty. Didn't realize we were worshiping him now. Okay, so there's- Does he not there's- ride a white horse? There's two. Oh, that was fantastic. There are two quick bits um, about Mitt Romney. Well, actually, he's got quite a lot of press this week. One is um, that I had a giggle over and also have some questions for you, Jeff, is there was something in the LA Times um, about this prophecy that we will have like a Mormon constitutional who like one day the constitution will hang by a thread and a Mormon or a group of Mormons will save the nation. And apparently this is called the white horse prophecy. I've never heard of this. Oh yes. But the way this op-ed starts is that, um, that like Romney would have grown up with this, hearing this from bishops and other things, and that people of whoever this writer was, I forget, I'm sorry, uh, of this generation would have heard this all the time. I've never heard of this. Oh, yes. The White Uh, white Horse Prophecy is uh, delightfully apocryphal, and it's come up a lot more in the Trump era, we shall say. Oh, is it? Oh, excellent. Yeah. What have yeah. I stumbled into? Oh, it's, it's, it was a, whole, very, it's a whole It was thing. very entertaining to read. And I love the whole idea that maybe Mitt Romney is going to be it, the one who fulfills the prophecy by supporting the impeachment of Trump. Oh, heavens. I'm rolling my eyes big time. But... um I I guess I, I mean I guess that was it really. There was so, another um well, let, in let, let the New York some, Times let, that followed. Let me give you some background though. So yeah, the White Horse prophecy ah. is not a confirmed thing that Joseph Smith actually espoused. Allegedly, it says that Joseph yeah. Smith argued that the one day the Constitution would hang like a thread, but be saved, as you said, but be saved uh, by Latter Day Saints. There's an embellished version that even says it uh, will be saved by the efforts of the White House. Um, oh. So there's a the problem is this is all as I said before it's not perfectly attributed and yeah my understanding is that the church tries to distance itself from it but there's still like some obviously some people who did hear it spoken of like by local church leaders or 
you know, maybe it came up in priesthood session or relief society. I don't yeah. know. So one thing, but, one, one thing that frustrates me is the LA times is sort of running with this as if it's like a, as if it's yeah, an actual thing. prophecy, a theme. Yeah. And it's not, um, it's, it's, there's nothing official about it. It's not Canon. It's nothing like that. So we do not officially believe that the constitution will be hanging by a thread and, all the white horse things involved, but naturally in times like these, many say, oh my goodness, is it is, is Mitt Romney the one? Is it happening? Ironically, <gasps> and I want you to get to the other uh, funny part about this, and yes, Mitt Romney's been everywhere pretty much because of Trump news. Um, also last week, they got images of Kim, Kim Jong-un. That was so good. <laughs> in North Korea, <laughs> riding around the mountains on a white horse, and we were like, oh no, we don't know it's going to come it's like not, this. It's not just the mountains. It's Mount Pektu. This is a big deal. Yeah. It's foreshadowing something We to did come. not, like, I did not think that the prophecy was going to be come true because of North Korea. That's the last yes. thing I expected. If North, yes. Is North Korea coming to save the U.S. Constitution? That's where we're I at. I must people. say, he looks much taller on that white horse than he is in real life. So there's been some serious photoshopping going on well, there. That's because a horse, you see, is very high off the ground. No, I mean, um, like, his legs look longer. Like, he's a squat little man. <laughs> I feel like I'm putting a target on my back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now just go to China. Let's start move on. Winnie the Pooh jokes. You're going to be Yeah, great. let's... Move on. The other Mitt Romney bit, which is fantastic. So, um, you were saying that McKay Coppins published a profile of Romney in the Atlantic this week, and then off the back of that, um, there was a there was a short little mention about how he has a secret Twitter account so that he can lurk, which is just terrible word choice. So well, I don't know how says. I feel about He's, this guy Mitt, fulfilling Mitt, the prophecy. Mitt <laughs> Romney said, choice. what do they call me? Is it, is it a lurker? That's exactly what he oh said. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, spectator. Like there are other words that are not great, but could have been slightly better. Um, anyways, so then obviously this reporter from Slate is like, 100%, I got to find this guy and find this account. Because and he Mitt has been revealed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. The, he had listed how many followers he had, but hadn't said what his actual like tag and what his name is. But um, this reporter feels very confident that they have found him, and his name is Pierre Delecto, which is <laughs> <so> delicious. <laughs> I'm most fascinated by how a person perhaps goes about choosing such a pseudonym. An alias? Yeah, yeah. I have no idea. Did he think the Pierre would throw people off and maybe he's French? But what the, is Delecto? See, I think that's too on. It's, it's, I think it was too <laughs> obvious as well because uh, Mitt Romney famously went on a mission to France. He still speaks French, you know. Oh, and, maybe that's. And so that's oh, probably, that probably was part of it. So it makes sense. But and why be Delecto? Pierre? He should have been Pedro Delecto to really throw all of this off. There's. Delecto's made up. No one has a last name named Delecto. I doubt surely. It. But what's funny is so Slate identified this and then so McKay Coppins spoke with Romney after the fact on Sunday night and Romney's only, and he said, like, is this actually you? And Mitt Romney just said, C'est moi. That was oh the, my word. No. That was his only response. <laughs> that is fantastic. I mean, bless him, bless him so much. The problem is this ruins uh, all of Mitt Romney's lurking. I mean, yeah. I mean, he obviously has to shut down Pierre and maybe open it up with, um, I don't know. Maybe try now. Pedro. Maybe I mean, try Pedro. It just ruins it all if he's if he's 
the funny thing though is if you look at uh, Pierre's Twitter feed, interacting with people, even when Mitt Romney is hiding, when his when his whole he's, he's hiding, like trying to talk about himself in the third person. He's still he's also still so like classic restrained Mitt Romney, even when his identity is obfuscated. He just he can't help himself. It's just who he is. Incidentally, though, the the uh, profile of him in The Atlantic by McKay Coppins is a very good read. It's very interesting. Uh, one of my favorite parts of it is when he discusses uh, how much he likes the Senate. Like, because they were worried. He, McKay has covered him for like nine years. And he didn't think he would enjoy the Senate. And he said, no, he said, people here are really friendly. They're really nice. Except Bernie, he said, laughing. He's a curmudgeon. It's not that he's mean or whatever. He just kind of scowls, you know. For Bernie. <laughs> gravity. Yeah, so he says for Bernie, it seems like this is kind of who he is. It's defining. It's his entire person. For me, it's part of who I am and not the whole person. And of course, McKay goes on to make the point that Romney views this as like one phase of his career, but this doesn't define him. And that's part of why he's being so bullish against Trump, because he, uh, for one, he's not up for re-election for five more years. He probably doesn't care if he's re-elected. He has nothing to lose, so he's just doing his thing. And he's being Pierre Delecto, which is amazing. Oh, I don't understand. I love I him so, so many much. more questions after the profile than I did before. I remember one time, there's actually not much of a story to this, but Al texted me in Utah and he said, dude, I'm at the movies and Mitt Romney's sitting in front of me. What do I do? What do I say to him? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Reach over, just give him a little shoulder, well, shoulder I would massage. Love, if, any of you hey there, listen, if any of you listening, somehow, Happen to go to the temple and bump into Elder or Elder Brother Romney at the temple, which won't happen in D.C. because our temple's closed. So if you're in, if he's back in Utah or something, it, I know this is a stretch. Please approach him and say, "Brother Delecto, how are you doing?" Yes. Please do this for me. And say it me. in French. Monsieur, <laughs> Monsieur Delecto. Monsieur oh, Delecto is so bad. I love him so much. Who came up with that? Who approved that? That would, uh, that would be Mitt Romney. Surely one of his children was like, Dad, nah, this, is, this isn't this is going to come out well for you. It's pretty strong. All right. Oh, dear. So kind of since we're sort of, we're, we're, let's do some of the political stuff. There's some political things that aren't just straight politics. The church is involved. And so let's get to it. So big news over the weekend. There was a, uh, a President Ballard, the acting president of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, and Elder D. Todd Christofferson. Spoke to a gathering of saints in Worcester, Massachusetts, about 12,000 people. This was broadcast all over the basically the North America, Northeast area of the church. Um, I was supposed to watch this live, and I did not, because it was at 4 p.m. on a Sunday. That's not going to... Anyway, um, but what happened in this, uh, the, the it was a whole long devotional, but this main part in the end was when President Ballard urged us to to, quote, join a new movement by inviting neighbors, friends, colleagues, and everyone to pray for the United States, its leaders, and its families. This is his quote. He says, our nation was founded on prayer. It was preserved by prayer, and we need prayer again. I plead with you this evening to pray for this country, for our leaders, for our people, and for the families that live in this great nation founded by God. Which was interesting. Um, 
He went on later to say we must stand boldly for righteousness and truth and must defend the cause of honor, decency, and personal freedom espoused by Washington, Madison, Adams, Lincoln, and other leaders who acknowledged and loved God. Hmm. And they went on to support this, but this is a very interesting call to arms in a sense. And they knew this was going to be just a broadcast for the Northeast. This would become a, a global story. Um, it's very intriguing to me. You feel like you seem to have thoughts, Joe. You're just sitting there, there. There's suddenly like about yeah, a dozen thoughts all trying to burst out at about the same time. It is interesting. I don't think that there's anything wrong with obviously asking people to to pray more, right? Um, but uh, how shall I put this? Okay, so I, I, a friend of mine recently sort of said to me with stories like this, and actually one that we'll talk about in a moment, that sometimes it feels like our global church isn't very global. And this is kind of where this one falls into a line with me, is that, yeah, go for it. Pray for your country's leaders. That's a good thing. I don't really know why it needs a shout out specifically in the U.S. Um, <laughs> why do you think, other Josie? Places. Why? <laughs> well, I mean, think about, you know... I'm sure the saints in Russia could use some support. No one's asking them to pray for Putin. Like, well, not there's for Putin. all well, sorts well, that, of well, well, that's part of that's the issue. Though. I mean, if, that's if brother, obviously extreme, but there are yeah. loads of places. If the brother that, were to cross you know, a line and say Russian saints pray for like the freedom of your government yeah. stuff, the church would just get banned completely from Russia. And that 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 uh, totally. temple in an as yet totally unannounced location. But there there are people suffering all over the world because of governments. And I don't, I don't know, maybe just the emphasis on the U.S. Like, sure, the U.S. needs prayer and support, no doubt. But um, I don't know. It just seems a little like, why is the focus just here? Well, also um, bear in mind that even though this is making news, this was in a meeting specific, that was specifically for the North American Northeast area. Of, and, of and, and whenever you're in meetings like that, whether it's a stake meeting or a regional meeting or whatever, the brethren tend to frame their remarks a little bit more specifically for the re- area in question. So in that sense, it doesn't, I don't think it's, it's not general conference. They're not saying in general conference, pray of for the United course. States. In a meeting yeah, for American to- saints, they're saying pray for your country. But of course, this kind of story gets picked up for us all to think about and what have you. Um, exactly. But one thing I- So I don't- th- I, I don't know. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, just one thing I've, it's important to remember, of course, that the brethren, while apostles and while and President Ballard made a point to say this. He said, as an apostle, I have a solemn duty to face the Lord and deliver his message. His words often include words of encouragement and expressions of love, but they also include words of warning. So an important thing to remember is while they have that responsibility as apostles, they are also ambassadors by and large. That's one of their biggest roles, whether it's here in the U.S. or globally. And I imagine, I think they have a bit more leeway to say things like this in a country like the United States, where we have such freedoms. Uh, whereas they're sensitive to it. If it's a country where we're trying to make inroads and of course there's endemic corruption across the board, would it better serve the church to have President Ballard, you know, traveling to, uh, you know, the Democratic Republic of the Congo and being like, pray that your country will stop being so freaking messed up. Or, and by the way, thanks for letting us build a temple, government. We appreciate it. Like there's, there's there's a line and... And of course, there's all the other stuff that we believe that the America's divinely founded, uniquely so compared to other countries. I hate to say it, but that's an actual 
Latter-day Saint belief. We believe the Declaration Which... of Independence is an inspired document. That's canon. Yes. Okay. So, thoughts. Obviously, if you're going to Congo or Myanmar or someplace else, you don't have to phrase it I want that him way. to go you to could... Myanmar. That, can... <laughs> nice jump there, Josie. <laughs> I'm just picking places that could maybe like use some support, right? All you got to say is like, pray for your families, pray for church leaders, pray for your local leaders. Like we, we like to stick with the whole like be civilly involved, right? Sure. Right? Sure. That doesn't have to go much further further. So I think it's more that just um, like I have no problem with President Ballard saying these things, but maybe to me and maybe just from like an international lens, which again, it's, he's not saying this to me. So I get that it's um, kind of pointless for me to have any comment on this because um, I don't live in the New England. Um, but it maybe just um, uh, maybe what it kind of comes down to is the emphasis on like the church and as you say, you know, the belief that the constitution declaration of independence are all so divinely inspired uh just uh sometimes just sounded like the emphasis is just on that if that if that makes sense no no, I, don't know. no I, I get where you're coming from i think it I, I don't really have a problem with this it was an interesting it was an interesting way to phrase things i wouldn't have phrased it that way but Obviously, I'm well, not. Well, you one are speaking. not an apostle, so no, nope, I am not. So he must. He, I don't know. Maybe he knows something I don't know. So I admit it's got to be weird. I think it was if, a little if you're weird. an international Latter Day Saint, I understand completely because it's like we, like you said, we talk about being an international church, but then inevitably we wind up being U.S. centric in many fronts. Even though we're, I think we're trying to get better. Um, I this is this is Jeff belief territory right here. Okay, but. I think so in the United States, um, while the church has a lot of freedom to speak out on issues, the Johnson Amendment, which is the law that governs 5013.C nonprofit organizations, which is what the church is, which is why it's tax exempt and why it doesn't have to reveal its finances in the United States. Um, Part of that, though, is a lack of political involvement. So you can see the church has a legal right in the U.S. to speak out on issues on propositions like in Utah, for example, and Utah law, which we're going to get to in a second, um, or even national stuff. What it does not have the legal ability to do is to endorse political candidates. Now, I don't know that the brethren care a ton who's occupying the Oval Office necessarily, like the as far as the individual, but I would assume they care about the tenor of what's coming out of there. And and I uh, I don't think it's being hyperbolic to argue that while the Constitution might not be hanging by a thread, um, I think if we get away from policy goals and policy differences and just look at sort of the imaginations of the U.S. government, I think it's in a very bad place right now. And so much so that I personally am very concerned about actually the long-term health of our government uh, based on everything that's been going down when you have co-equal branches of government not governing, one, no checks and balances don't exist. All the stuff you've seen in the news, there are things we should be concerned about regardless of whether or not you support uh, like the, the agenda coming from the Oval Office right now. I think we can separate those two things. And I would think the Brethren, given their the belief that the Constitution is divinely inspired, this country is a special place, uh, to see the issues we have at play, I think this is a call to arms 
working around the confines of the Johnson Amendment, where essentially they they aren't going to name names, they aren't going to be too specific, but they're going to say, pray for decency, pray for our leaders, pray that better things can come and the country can be resilient, and kind of saying, like, pray that this can be better without acknowledging publicly that it's not what it should be. Um, Sure. So I, I, yeah, I get that. I, think I agree with that. I believe that's a lot of what is behind this, and I think a lot yeah. of what the church has come out with over the past three years has been pretty clearly critical of some of the things that have come out of the administration. Yeah. But I mean, and we have no place to say anything critical about like asking the saints to pray more. We got no problems with that. Maybe it's the call to arms bit that is a little cringy. The call to bear but... arms, Josie. Bear arms. <laughs> yeah. Show them off. Uh, I mean, we got a few hymns in the hymn book that are somewhat similar to, you know, bearing arms. So like fight for your faith. And they're always just ones that I kind of think, ooh, maybe just because I'm a, as a ward missionary right now yeah, that yeah. I kind of think, ooh, maybe I wouldn't really want to sing one of these if I bring someone along. We should. Well, th- thankfully, which I mean, which popular one talks about fighting for your faith? I can't even think about what that would oh, be. Oh, it's the uh, we really Onward sing, Christian we sing Soldiers. Ten. Which one? Is it Onward Christian Soldiers? Uh, it might be. It's a bit of a marchy one. Yep. Onward uh, going off to war. Yeah, that one. Marching off to war in the I don't actually even remember if it's that one or there was another one. I can't think of it now. You'll be happy to know that one's not a Latter-day Saint exclusive, though. Just so you know. Oh, I mean, I'm not particularly thrilled about that, but sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> They're marching yeah, off to war. I can't remember which one it was off the top of my head. You might have been thinking of that one. I mean, there's the elders of Israel, but that's not quite as uh, onward no. Christian soldiers Anyways. marching to war with the cross of Jesus. It's oh. a metaphor. I understand it. It's fine. Um, the hymn book's being redone anyways. I know, it right? Goes in and stays. Anyways, um, so I'm going to move on to our next sure. big political piece, which most people, I think, would have um, heard quite a lot about, <sighs> yeah. which is... Yeah, Utah and the church are in major headlines that um, aren't entirely accurate, but then somewhat have a layer of truth about um, being against this licensing rule in Utah for um, state-hired psychologists. Maybe state-hired isn't quite the phrase. Anyways, licensing rule um, against banning conversion therapy for LGBTQ. That's basically what we're talking about and, and, here. And at the so, root of this, the church used to even uh, push for conversion therapy, so-called, back in the day. And we've kind of de- turned around and denounced conversion therapy itself, but now yeah. the church is not going to back a bill that would actually ban it at a legal level. Yeah. Well, so there's a little little bit of history that's happened just with this this year, which there was a House bill in Utah um, in February, but it did not advance. And the bill would have made it you know, illegal for therapists in the state to try and change a person's or a young person. This is specifically for minors to change a young person's sexual orientation or gender identity. The church backed that previous bill. Um, well, either they backed it or they just didn't say anything uh, against it. So we'll count that as they backed it. Um, but that bill fell through. And so now instead, um, they're trying to go through, as I said, this sort of um, licensing rule that um, it would prohibit therapists. It essentially kind of does the same thing. It's just not a state law. It's specifically mm-hmm. for the psychologists. Anyways, um, but the church has um, 
while they've denounced any abusive treatments like electric shock therapy or like um, induced or forced vomiting, like for conversion therapy, they're against all of that and they denounce that, but they are against this licensing rule, which would make it or would prohibit therapists from practicing this conversion therapy. So it feels, um, and it's been picked up in the press because it feels a little bit contradictory. So I've been trying to dig into this to figure out what exactly is going on. Um, they've released a statement, which I believe we shared on our Facebook page, that um, essentially just says that the licensing rule was ambiguous in key areas, it overreaches in others. So they're kind of saying that it's vague or too broad and um, fails to protect individual religious beliefs and does not account for important realities of gender identity in the development of children. Um, which uh, there's a letter, like more of a formal legal letter that um, the church wrote up and sent to uh, the board or whoever's trying to decide on this licensing agreement. There's been a lot of like public outreach and um, personal stories that have been shared while they've been trying to make this decision. The church is just one of those, although arguably maybe one of the more um, powerful voices that are reaching out on this. Um, my understanding is that some of the things that they're concerned about is that uh, the realities of gender identity in development of children, that phrase right there, where they're sort of saying, um, or they they want family services to be able to take like a watch and see approach, which is um, basically they don't want to claim a child's gender identity to be different than their biological sex at birth yeah. so that's where they kind of get a little bit um uneasy and throughout the letter they actually uh quoted quite a lot of research mostly just to show that or their their idea was to show that there isn't much of a consensus on um on gender identity and gender dysphoria um, however, there were a couple of moments where, or at least one specific example where they quoted a study that has, um, been quite controversial and has had some amendments and some people believe has been completely disproved. And they had the, the one that I didn't quite agree with was there's sort of statement afterwards, which is, you know, we don't agree with this study. We're not supporting this study. However, it does point out that there's not a consensus within the psychological world on how to deal with this, which I don't really think that you can quote a controversial study and then say, you know, I'm using this for my argument, but I don't support it. But it, yeah. you know, it supports my argument. Cherry so pick. that one I didn't think was quite well. It does say. What are your thoughts? Well, if you if you read in the brief, I mean, you've hit on most of the points. But so in in part D, it talks about why the rule is goes overboard. Basically, because they make a point to say family services does not support any of these these actual types of therapies. However, they are worried that the proposed rule uh, defines sexual orientation uh, to not only to include not only quote gendered patterns and attraction and quote feelings like homosexuality, but also behavior and identity related to these patterns. So they they offer a couple of examples of how a therapist who would normally just work through some the church is arguing a therapist in a certain situation. Uh, would be unable to perform his or her job based on the the definitions of the bill. So a lot of this is about semantics, and the church simply arguing that 
this bill the way it explains things could limit a therapist's ability to do his or her job. So here's some examples. Like a 12-year-old boy with same-sex attraction confides in a therapist that he is spending many hours a day looking at homosexual pornography. The boy explains that this is inconsistent with his values and that it makes him feel ashamed and depressed and he seeks counseling to assist in eliminating that behavior. Uh, another example, a 17-year-old girl with a, who is bisexual confides to a therapist that she is forming intense emotional attachments with girls of the same age. She says these relationships often include some degree of physical involvement, such as hand-holding, cuddling, and kissing. She explains that these behaviors are contrary to her faith and values, that they make her feel depressed and confused, and that she is deeply concerned that these behaviors will prevent her from remaining active and faithful in her chosen faith community, something that she explains is central to her identity. Um, she seeks counseling to assist her in changing behaviors related to her attractions. Uh, and the last one's similar. A 16-year-old boy with same-sex attraction openly identifies as gay and is also deeply religious. His faith teaches him that it is God's will that sexual relations occur only within a traditional male-female marriage. He is uncertain how he will ultimately reconcile his sexual orientation with his religious beliefs. His stated goal is to delay making a decision about same-sex intimacy until he is an adult and graduated from high school. He seeks counseling during his high school years to help him reduce the intensity of his sexual desires by prioritizing other aspects of his identity, including his religious identity, so he can abstain from sex and at least until he is an adult and has completed high school. So sorry for reading all of those, but the church is arguing that, quote, by sweeping into the definition of sexual orientation change efforts, benign therapies designed to address these and other situations involving behaviors behaviors, but not the orientation itself, the proposed rule on its face would threaten the licenses of ethical therapists merely for assisting such clients in attaining their self-determined goals. So the point of this is no, nowhere in here is a client trying to um, actually non-gayify somebody. They're not trying to turn anybody straight. They're trying to help them with behaviors surrounding their homosexuality and get where they want to be. So you can kind of see where this is coming from. And this is the sort of thing that is more complex and is so easily lost in the world of sound bites and gotcha journalism and all that that wants to just make, that wants to simply say the church is not against banning conversion therapy, right? That, that's the easy headline, but yeah. it's more nuanced than that. I also think what's interesting here is Elder Oaks sort of, talked about this in his conference talk before all this yes i was gonna get to that yeah okay then i won't take it away from you yeah he sort of uh tell us why oh no no no. go for it so it was just yeah his one sound bite being oh now i've lost it i can get it um oh that the oh i just have one of the parts of the statement that males and females are identified by biological sex at birth um i don't know if there was more to it that you were going to hit on than that well there was also part that's kind of in this brief where he said that essentially Basically, that their kids at a certain age might feel that they are a different gender, or 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 that they're experiencing homosexual feelings. And he argued that, like kids, just they just don't know it at that point, and like they can't form those ideas until later in life. And this brief says very similar things, which is so the timing is interesting, considering that talk yeah. happened right before all of this. Yeah. So there, there are a few things. I think that um, you pointed out that really the key here that I think the church would be concerned about is that they won't be able to treat or address behaviors. So for example, yeah. the 12-year-old boy watching um, homosexual porn, that doesn't make a person gay. Um, 
it's unfortunately just very common that there's a lot of different types of porn and a lot of people watch a lot of different types of porn and then get very confused about what their sexuality may be. Um, but what they're actually trying to treat in this given example is to not watch porn anymore. So it's not actually even really talking about um, whether they're not trying to address in this particular moment whether or not like his feelings towards same-sex same sex attraction, but just he's trying to say, I don't really want to watch porn anymore. Um, that being said, um, there's been some other reports from other psychologists who say, no, no, this ruling, you know, you can treat behaviors. What we are trying to protect here is just strictly and purely conversion therapy. So why would the church be against this? So there are some differing opinions of whether or not behavior would be, um, attacked or if like or if psychologists wouldn't be able to treat these particular sorts of instances so i'm hearing some conflicting advice on that which is a little bit interesting um but i would also kind of say maybe this is just my own personal opinion and some observations i would say that as a church and as a church culture we've been a little bit more um we've gotten to a point where we're more accepting of gay and lesbian relationships, we understand that a little better. Where we are struggling and where I think this document kind of struggles is within transgender or um, different gender identities and also gender dysphoria, which um, just to be clear on that is specifically about the distress you feel if you feel like your identity is different than your biological sex. So that's specifically trying to address that distress and um, concern that you'd feel trying to understand that. Um, and so the, like there are certain instances in this letter where they talk about, um, as you say, what President Oaks was saying of um, transgender children can't know. They try to bring that up in this letter as well. But then they also bring up things that, you know, usually children who declare themselves as transgender also have, like there have been some studies that say that they also have been diagnosed with other mental illnesses. There, there are just some things that um, are, I think, a little cringy and a bit uncomfortable. And I can see why they don't settle very well with right. um the LGBT community. There, mostly what this kind of comes down to for me is why is the church getting involved in this one? Um, it seems like the rule... I think the church is getting involved they, in it because it's protecting family services' ability to do its, its protecting job. family That's services. That's what this is mostly about. Yeah. 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 As opposed to um, perhaps just you know, get, getting rid of conversion therapy, which I hope and sincerely believe is not happening in family services anymore. There have still been some stories that have come th- out like within the past decade that haven't been too great, but I don't yeah. think that, I hope that it isn't anymore. Um, but also one argument like against this rule um, that some others have put forward is that people should be able to get the therapy they want. So if a teenager right. really doesn't want to be gay, then they could seek out conversion therapy. But I would kind of argue that as a therapist, it's probably not your job to give your client what they want. <laughs> um, and that, you know, it's this is supposed to be a tool to help, you know, a young person through that whole quagmire of teenage life and then to throw in like gender identity and LGBT issues. And it's got to be so difficult and confusing for them. And I just, 
Um, so I, I don't know where this is going to land. I don't know if this is going to kill the ruling and it's, um, there won't be any changes to it. I'm not entirely sure if I'm convinced which would be better one way or another. It, to me, it sounded like the rules was pretty straightforward, even if it was a little bit overbroad. Um, but, but mostly for me, um, and there's, there's another op-ed that's come out after this, which is sort of like, why is our church getting involved or that they should get out of Utah politics? That was, um, something that was just published in the Trib, um, following this whole conversion therapy headlines. Um, although, uh, while I kind of agree with that idea that maybe we shouldn't get too involved in politics, I know that that's not necessarily what everyone else believes. Um, what do you think, Jeff? Should we have said anything about this ruling? I don't know. I, I get like we ha- we had to have known how it was going to come out. I understand that it's totally like it's very subtle and nuanced and mostly about semantics, but they had to have known what this was going to sound like. Yeah, in the press. I they they do. I mean, how do they not know how it's going to be covered? I think in this case, it's a defensive move. I think it is to protect family services, and I think it was at a precedent as well. Uh, I would be curious to see if if a bill were revised with the language uh, in the way the church wants, if the church would then say, yeah. okay, this is cool. That would be the interesting test because if, if they can resolve the church's main area of protest, which which does not seem to be about banning conversion therapy outright yeah. in a way that placates the church, then will the church say, cool, do we're fine. We're not freaked out anymore. Do what you want. Or will there then be another issue and then we'll see what's, you know, the game is afoot. Yeah. And I don't know what happened. Yeah. But the thing is, uh, I agree that I think it's strange sometimes the way the church is involved in Utah politics. This one I get a little bit more because I think it's protecting one of its own institutions. Uh, but other areas, for example, like the medical marijuana bill or the uh, the um, well, the Zion, Cur- oh, yes. the Zion Curtain, how alcohol is hidden from view when you go to restaurants and stuff. Those things I'm, I am baffled, and I don't fully understand why the church has to weigh in on any of that. Just like, who cares? I don't care if I see a bottle of Grey Goose at a restaurant. Is it? Who cares? Is it actually called the Zion Curtain? Not the Zion Curtain. Is it the Zion Curtain? It's got a funny name. I'm blanking on it right now. But you all know what I'm talking about, people. Yeah, I do. Anywho, um, pivoting. Thank you, Josie, for this riveting discussion on this. The monologue. No, it's yeah. good. Uh, real quick here, Pew, the Pew Research Service, has compiled a report that was released last week showing a decline in American religious habits over the last decade. So it shows that since 2009, the number of Americans who describe themselves as Christians is down from 77% to 65%. And it also shows the number of Americans who say they have no religion is up from 17% to 26%. Uh, meanwhile, the number of Latter-day Saints self-identified remains 2%, which has pretty much been the norm in the U.S. for a very long time. So the upside here is eventually when the United States hits 98% irreligious, the only religious people left in the country will be Mormons. It's perfect. Like, huh. so that way there will be no other churches. That, no one will go to church. Is that our plan all along? <laughs> I hope not, because then we'll still be, it'll be a bunch of <laughs> a bunch of atheists and agnostics <laughs> and then just Mormons. That's it. I don't think that'll be the case. Anyway, this is worth checking out, worth reading into. Um, well, it's also it's, it's, like, I think a key to point is that it's just focusing on Christianity. It hasn't addressed um, Islam right. or 
Judaism, like there, there's a couple others that aren't included in this. They were mostly just looking at like Catholicism. Uh, what else did they have? Protestant. Yeah, pretty much all the typical and, and us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's interesting too is they say um, so. Eighty-four percent of the silent generation, which is the generation born between 1928 and 1945, I guess they're called that because of. I don't know, presumably the stock market crash. I don't know. But 84% identify as Christian, but compared with 49% of millennials identify as Christians. And like you said, though, that's Christian, and that, doesn't, that does not account for the growing ranks of other faiths from in our population as well. Like, it's not just saying that, what is that, 35% just stopped being Christian. It also means that we've had more Muslims and Jews and Hindus and everybody else. Hopefully a lot of Zoroastrians, you know, I don't know, everybody just showing up at once. Uh, a couple of quick mentions here. The North Carolina Temple, one of the many temples that was destroyed and then rebuilt, was rededicated by President Ballard. So congratulations, mm-hmm. North Carolina. Um, it's been rebuilt from the ground up. Same kind of general mini temple stuff, but a little bit different. Uh, also, real quick, a bunch of apostles traveled to states to minister. I think that's all I'm going to say about it. We talked about Elder, Elders Christopherson and Ballard. Elder Rasband went to Elder, Elder uh, went to Arizona, and Elder Suarez yep. went to Texas. Went to Texas. And the last one I'm going to mention real quick is there was a carbon monoxide leak at a Provo meeting house that has injured at least 60 people, some of whom potentially permanently, which is terrible. Uh, the big takeaway from this people is. And this, I mean, I, we're all responsible for the health of our buildings for church. But I think a lot of this is on the FM group, like straight up. Carbon monoxide detectors are cheap. And if we are not keeping track of when they've been installed in every building we're in and keeping tabs on their life cycles and when they need to be replaced, and that's pretty much all they are, or whether it's batteries or hardwired, whatever it might be, it's a little thing, but we are doing ourselves a serious disservice because carbon monoxide poisoning is no joke. And this is incredibly easily preventable if we just try to be a little more responsible. Terrible. This yeah, point. it's devastating. Yeah, it's awful. Um, I have one last mention, right. although this is really not a happy note to end on. Um, oh, pumpkin season. Is, oh, man. Oh, okay. All right. Well, we can finish on pumpkin season, but real quick. So there was a Kaysville bishop who's being currently investigated for child pornography and go. also potentially for um, sex crimes as well. I think there will maybe be more news on that. So this, I think, falls usually under the Twin Sisters Mormons behaving badly. Um, they are doing next I week. Think, we'll let them explore it more. Okay. I, I would just, it's, to me, it's important to flag because I think ever since the whole um, Catholic priest global sex scandal ha- continues to unfold, I think um, sometimes I see in the press that um, all Christian churches kind of get grouped in together as we have men who are in positions of power and have yes. influence over children. It must be happening at every sort of um, church. And while I think that it's very important to for us to acknowledge that we're not immune to this in our church, but I also still don't think that this is evidence of systematic abuse and cover-ups, which I'm grateful for. How um, My understanding is the bishop has been removed um, and is obviously, again, as I said, in undergoing investigation, and that's pretty serious stuff. Um, and then here we go, pumpkin season, because Mormons obviously can't get a pumpkin spice latte, so there's some kooky story from the trib of a group of 
people who have like hollowed out giant pumpkins, some of them being like thousands of pounds, and decided to like go canoe around in a lake. So that is the next level of our pumpkin. Uh, I don't know. I don't understand the pumpkin thing. Sorry, I'm rolling my eyes again. Um, it's been it's been entertaining actually Part here in Singapore culture. because don't be a jerk. Fall or rather autumn has hit, and Singapore doesn't have any seasons whatsoever. But there are still some people who are so obsessed with pumpkin. They're like, where can I get pumpkin in Singapore? They want to feel the cold weather and the desire to wear a sweater here, and it's just so hot so um it's interesting that we take our pumpkin love wherever we go now i want you to understand apparently to the lake you, you know which lake that was in josie uh um uh, no ochre lake in south jordan oh. in daybreak people oh, okay. this happened oh, daybreak. daybreak. here we go again because daybreak has <laughs> pumpkin regattas ah daybreak bless <laughs> oh, you, you dear. wonderful place thank you daybreak for all that you do oh, and thank God. all of you for tuning in this week and spending the past hour with myself and the lovely and erudite Josie Gleave. Wonderful to have you here, Josie. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Glad to have you. We missed you a month ago or so. You were traveling, so we're glad you're back. Yes, I was. Back in the saddle. Folks, we appreciate you taking the time. Once again, very nice of you to join us on TWIM. Please subscribe if you haven't done so and leave us a review so we can know what we can do better and what we're doing well. Seriously. Uh, otherwise, I hope you have a great week. For Josie, I'm Jeff. And everyone, be excellent to each other. Don't hide your face. What you were born.